Listener discretion is advised. Hey everyone, welcome back to the I Should Totally Be Dead Right Now podcast, where we tell true stories of survivors of true crime, natural disasters, and everything else in between. <laughs> Did you like that? It was Nicely a little done. different. It was a little different. I know. I, you had a little bit of a pause. Okay. And it was like just enough to build that drama. You know what? I like to be, I'm very versatile. Mm, I just yes, didn't, didn't know if you knew that, but. Well, I do now. <laughs> <laughs> no, terrible. Uh, how are you doing? <laughs> oh my God, girl. Sorry. Probably about as well as you are. <laughs> <laughs> so Lisa... Capital Community Media liaison. Yeah, if you will. radio station manager for KMWV ninety eight point three FM uh, that we're a part of every Tuesday night. But so she, her friend, made this drink. Like she invented this drink. So well, she suggested it to us. So nailed it. Yeah. FYI. It's called, uh, sorry, what? Reality Bites. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to say we alluded to it last oh, time. Oh, yes, we, we did. You said it. We made it this time. We did. And, and now we are drunk as shit. Dude, okay, if you like sweet and you don't like to taste alcohol at all, this is the drink for you. <laughs> because it tastes like candy and it's just dangerous. Well, and then we put them in these super tall glasses and round two... Caitlin did not put ice. She was like, fuck it. You don't need it. And then I just measured by my heart. (laughs) So So, uh, this is the actual recipe is half an ounce of Southern Comfort, half an ounce of vodka, half an ounce of triple sec, 1.5 ounces of sweet and sour, and then a splash of grenadine and then fill it up with Sprite. Hmm. Well, and it was exciting because we have never had a Southern Comfort drink. No, no, and no, And so no. I was like, woo, 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 let's get this done. I've never had Southern Comfort and I don't know why. We also had Spy Farms, duh. I know, duh, indeed. So, oh. I mean, so thank you, Lisa, for your friend. She's very talented in making her drinks. I know. Feel free to give us lots more drink suggestions because yeah. those were tasty. And everyone listening, we will drink your drink suggestions. So yeah. just send it in. I don't think there's been a single one that we have not made at this point. No, and every one that we have made has been super delicious. Indeed. So. God, I still remember the one with the spiced rum and vanilla coke. Oh my coke. gosh, so good. I didn't think it? that was going to be good at all. No, right? And it was delicious. It was. Ugh. All right. You so, going to kick us off, Caitlin, with the kick-ass story? Yes, Should we I do am. one quicker shot like, yes. before we get rocking and rolling? Yeah. We can do it on the air. It's fine. Oh, okay. Yeah, just just rocking. You want rocking? Okay, we're doing them. it on oh. air. This is Five Farms Irish Cream. Now, if you were like, if we were doing like Patreon or something, we would have been paid to do this. That sounded <laughs> <perfect>. <laughs> that sound not quite how I expected. Cheersies to that. Being Used paid. to prostitution. <laughs> Sorry, I always say the worst things as soon as you're about to take your shot. That's why we edit. Mm. Anyways, so easy, so smooth. I wish I had some coffee to put in. All right, here we go. This story is about Jan Morgan. Jan Morgan. It is May 22nd, 2011. Okay, okay. Jan is training for her second Ironman triathlon. Triathlon. Oh, Oh, yeah. And so it begins. Triathlon. Triathlon. 
No. Nope. Was it? Triathlon. Oh my gosh. Oh, that is... word. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> triathlon. Thank you. So this day, she is doing a 70 mile bike ride with her oh, friend Kim. Shit. This is just training. She's doing 70 miles <laughs> on her bike. I do three miles on my new bike I got this year. I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> and we're through. Yeah. So this ride is riding around her, like, hometown of Starkville, Mississippi. Okay. So it is now mile 50. Oh. But then a car hits Jan from behind at 50 mi- <gasps> 55 miles per hour. What? Yeah. She just hit right her right in the back, and she throws Jan from her bike. She launches her into the air, and she lands on the wind- windshield. Oh, my God. I thought she was going to go, like freaking like 40 feet ahead of her no she like hit her so fast that she just like went Went. up and down oh my god oh my god that's awful okay so the driver didn't stop right after she hit her then she finally did stop and then jan flew off of the windshield are you fucking kidding me she probably like came slamming to a stop she did rather than you know easing into a stop no she slammed on the brakes and jan fell to the asphalt oh my god i know onlookers rushed to the scene the driver got out of her car and observed jan on the ground while talking on the phone saying i just hit a lady you better get down here i hope that's the police she's calling no (laughs) (laughs) no no she got back into her car and she left slowly, but she ended up running over Jan again. No, she didn't. Yes. And what the fuck? Okay. What? Can we just take a beat? Okay. So she has hit her at 55 yes. miles an hour, thrown Jan up into the air. Yes. Jan has landed on her car. Yes. She er, slams to a stop, yes. throws Jan, and then decides to leave the scene and runs over Jan on the way out. Yes, but... She stopped again, and her front tire landed on Jan's head for 45 to one minute. No. She no. did. What the fuck? Yes. Okay. This This, this lady, of course, jail. was in shock, too, but she finally moved off of Jan's head, got out of the car again, and then got back into the car to try to leave again, and no. that's, when, that's when witnesses <laughs> did not let her leave. They are like, like, bitch, no. you can't go. Exactly. Like, you cannot leave after you hit her once and ran over her head for 45 fucking seconds. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? No. No, I can't imagine. No. Okay. <laughs> fucking poor Jan. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. She's in the best shape of her life. And now he's getting thrown around exactly. like an insane person. Okay. So Kim, which is Jan, Jan's friend that mm. was like with her. Yes, of course. She called Jan's husband, David, after the accident happened. When he heard the phone ring, he knew that their ride wouldn't be over by now. So he thought that something was up. So he was probably immediately on edge. Yes. Okay. And when he answered, Kim said, Jan's been hit and it's bad. Oh. So So he's in a panic. Absolutely. So Jan was rushed to the hospital in the first few weeks that the goal was just to keep her alive. (gasps) So she's been in jail or (laughs) in the hospital for two. Yeah. Just you wait. So Jan's major injuries were collapsed lungs, sternal fractures, a lumbar burst fracture, (gasps) scalp lacerations, 
a frontal lobe contusion and hemorrhaging in the temporal lobe of her brain. Oh my god! So her brain is swelling, probably. She had a car out. sitting on her head. I mean, <laughs> yeah, holy I mean. cow! So the <laughs> the hospital kept Jan in a coma for and on a ventilator for five weeks. Wow! Just so to get her stable and let yeah. her brain heal a little mm-hmm. bit. Oh my goodness! So both Jan and her husband were physicians. And her husband states, seeing it from a patient side was hard. It was an emotional roller coaster. It made me appreciate what patients' families go through all the time. Oh, yeah. After two weeks, Jan was stabilized, and David knew that she would be alive. Mm, she so, was going to make it. Yeah, so after two weeks, she was they like she's stable, she's okay, but she was still in a coma and on the ventilator for five weeks. Well, and probably we don't know the extent of her brain injuries i mean Mm -hmm. she may have some brain damage or who knows what no absolutely so then he immediately started looking out for brain injury rehabilitation and he found shepherd center so after the five weeks in a coma she went there but she was still on a four on the rancho cognitive functionality scale so i'm assuming that means that she's not super cognitive of what's well, going on Well, I will tell you here. the different levels, Michelle, oh, because thank I you. looked it up. You did a little research. I did. So, on the scale, level one is no response. So, no response mm. to sound, sights, touch, movement, nothing. Level two is generalized response. So, begin to respond to sound, sights, touch, or movement. So, you see, like, maybe you hear a loud sound, mm-hmm. and so you maybe turn your head towards it. Yeah, they respond of... slowly. Okay, okay. Level three is localized response. So, being awake, so being awake on and off during the day, uh, more movements than before, and react more specifically to what they see, hear, or feel. Oh, wow. So level four, where she was at, was confused and agitated. Mm. So being very confused and frightened, not understand what they feel or what is happening around them, uh, overreact to what they see, hear, or feel. Screaming, abusive behavior, a language. I mean, abusive language. Oh, I could see that. Yes. My brother kind of, as I think I've mentioned, he had a brain injury. And I think that's about where he was. Agitated. Yeah, it's like as soon as he gained consciousness, he was ready to like pull off all of his wires Mm -hmm. and he was upset with everyone around him. And there was a lot of confusion. Yeah. And just wasn't really aware of what had happened to him or where he was. And that's a process of healing, which is... Sad. So, do you want me to read the rest of them? Obviously, okay. yes. Thank you, Caitlin. <laughs> Keep us educated. I, know, I appreciate right? it. Level five is confused and inappropriate. So, this is being able to. <laughs> this is where you are at all the time. <laughs> I'm sorry. Fucking uh, sick burn. That was hilarious. Able to pay attention for only a few minutes. <laughs> kick your ass. Confused and have difficulty making sense of things outside themselves. I want to kill you. Not knowing the date. Okay. So. Now it's feeling judgy. No, it's fine. (laughs) You're great. Uh, Level six is confused and appropriate. Oh, okay. So this is being somewhat confused because of memory and thinking problems. They remember you, the main points of conversation. And still remember like social norms and that type of thing. Correct. Yes. Okay. Like, for example, they said they may remember they had visitors in the morning. 
but forget what they talked about. So, oh. I mean, like, it's getting there. And I see. Such. Yes. And then the next level is automatic and appropriate. So, follow the set schedule, be able to do routine self-care without help. I'm assuming that's where you think you're at, huh? Is Absolutely. That, yeah. Oh, I'm a level seven for sure. Yeah. I'll kill you. Duh. <laughs> And then level eight is purposeful purposeful and appropriate. So realize they had a problem in this thinking and memory. Begin to compensate for their problems. Be more flexible and less rigid. Hmm. And that's pretty much where it ends. I see. So that's like and the recovery. You're kinda, yeah, you're yeah, back yeah. to normal after that. Mm-hmm. Okay. That so, sounds awesome. David said that Jan was like talking to a six-month-old. She was confused, agitated, and not aware. So mm. that's where that uh, level four came in. Jan started on physical, occupational speech, and recreation therapy. Huh. So for 10 days, though, straight, there was no progress. Oh. David states, the staff kept telling me she'll come out of this, but it was still frustrating. Then one day, a nurse came in with pills, and Jan reached out to take the pills from her. The nurse and I did a little dance. It was the tiniest, simplest act, but it meant a lot. She had done it all on her own, and that was the first time I had real hope that she could be herself again. So she did it all by, like, she came in with pills, so she reached out, take them. She knew she needed to. So oh. it was like a, a, a really big stepping stone for her. Gotcha. So Jan doesn't remember much of her stay at Shepherd Center, but she knows she was a difficult patient. <laughs> that would be me. Right? Yeah. There was a lot of screaming and resistance, but they were so patient with her, but still yet demanding. David also never let Jan side. Hmm. He would shower and nap at the apartment Shepherd Center provided for him, but he didn't go home until Jan went home as well. Oh, wow. I oh, know. Goodness. Jan said that his support was everything. He had to live through and go through a lot. And the more that she learned more of what he went through, she sobbed for him. Oh. So they were, so she's retired. She re retired a few years before even the accident. And she hmm. was a phys physician as well. So she's like, I they didn't say how old she actually was. But I'm guessing 60s to retire and such. Yeah, she was probably a young 60s, you know. Or 50, or... I mean, my parents are retiring in their 50s, so I mean. Your parents are awesome. I know, right? I'm hella jelly. I know. I want to retire in my 50s. Right? So when they retired, her and David actually opened a bike shop. Oh, shoot. So okay. once they retired, they opened a bike shop. So, so this is a passion of theirs. Absolutely, yes. So a year after the accident, Jan was swimming and... Hitting all the events of the triathlon. Well, once she was more. taking eight mile walks on Saturday mornings with David. So after a year, she's walking eight miles on okay. every Saturday. Jan, can we have a little talk <laughs> about making the rest of us look like assholes? Because that's what's <laughs> happening here. I know, right? <laughs> Jan's story has provided her with an opportunity to become an even more visible proponent of helmet use. And of mm. share the road laws, protecting cyclists on the road. Her story has reached throughout the United States and nobody buys a bike in their shop without the follow-up question, now, do you have a helmet? <laughs> <laughs> on September 29th, 2012, the Brain Injury Association of Mississippi presented Jan with the group's annual TBI Hope Award. Oh, yeah. nice. Now we get to the woman who hit Jan. Oh, I forgot about her completely. Yeah. I'm all focused on Jan. 
that's what the focus should be on because Jan's amazing. Yeah. Her name is Robbie Norton. Mm. So in the beginning, Robbie was only fined $50 after what? being found guilty in justice course of simple assault with a deadly weapon. What? I know. Simple assault with a deadly weapon? I'm assuming the deadly weapon is clearly her car. car. Yeah. The judge told Jan that she shouldn't have been out there because she was riding on Highway 50. So she was on a highway, but... I don't think there's anything illegal about that. No, there's nothing illegal about that. So the judge reprimanded Jan and fined Robbie $50. Okay. Well, Robbie actually appealed this and stating it was just an accident because she didn't want to pay she the didn't f- want to pay the fifty dollars. No, she didn't. I thought that bitch was gonna be going to jail no. for like ten years or something. She shit. did not want to pay that fifty dollars, so oh she appealed God. it. So, but the Clay County Circuit Court found her guilty again Woo-hoo. and gave her an additional fine of two hundred and fifty dollars plus court costs and six months of jail sentence. Oh, she wished she just paid that fifty dollars now. Well. The jail sentence was suspended on the condition that Robbie be part of some sort of public service announcement. What the fuck ever. I'm done with this at all. I can't even make words now. She was also ordered to pay Jan's insurance company, which covered the majority of her (gasps) $500,000 in her medical bills. Oh my God. She is so wishing she had just paid the $50. The thing is that Jan didn't know about the whole insurance thing. She learned it from a friend who saw on a TV report about it. Jan didn't know that it was a matter of court, and she wasn't involved in that. Oh. But Jan sees this as as a good thing because... A little bit of just desserts, if you will. Well, because it brings up this issue again, and it brings it to the forefront, and it reminds people that they can't run people over without, you know, consequence. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I mean, even if it's an accident, there's still something that you have to do. You have to pay either for the insurance or the medical bills or something. You have to be aware of cyclists. So this also brings up the Mississippi law about cyclists. So the law is that motorists have to maintain a three-foot distance from cyclists. Okay. Jan states, I am really lucky I am doing this well. My mission now is to keep people aware and make the whole cyclist motorist situation better in the state. Well, she could have easily been killed. Easily. Absolutely. I mean, I'm frankly amazed she was not. Well, going 55 miles per hour and hitting someone, especially on a, like a bicycle. It's crazy because that, I mean, that's so fast. I mean, people get really badly injured just going 25 miles per hour and getting into an accident. It's just... Oh my gosh. So Jan is super lucky. And for her to be retired and doing a 70 mile bike. You know, I know. Like, doing oh. a triathlon even in the first place. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. She's motivating me to work out now. So when I get older. I You'll be ready to work out more. I'll be ready to work pass, out more. Hard pass, No. <laughs> We're not going to do a triathlon, an Ironman together, Michelle? Actually, I've always wanted to thought if I could do the swimming leg of it then I would be down for a triathlon okay I'm trying to think of what I would do because I don't like running and biking is a lot too so no you're a new cyclist you'll be ready to maybe we'll do the cycle part we just need someone would Nick do the running part maybe we'll have Nicholas do the running yeah so good job Jan for oh my gosh for being amazing for being amazing and so strong and so inspirational and you deserve every reward you get (laughs) 
Yay! <laughs> and I I'm wish sorry to, you got like hit. I said, like last time, that 92 year old, I strive to be so physically active when I'm older. So. I know. I need to be more physically active now. Yeah. That's me too. Like, I'm not going to get any better if I don't right. start rocking and rolling now. I hear you. Me I too. Do. I want to start swimming again. Oh, yeah. You now, love swimming. So. Now that my ear seems to be all healed yeah. up and ready to rock and roll. You don't have to do surgery again. That's... I know. Well, at least not for at least a year. Congratulations. That's Thank good. You. That's great. You. I know. I was so happy. I rolled into the ear doctor and it's like, I had it, it felt like an ear infection and the whole Aww. thing. And I was like... God damn it. They're just going to be pulling all kinds of gnarly shit out yeah. of there. And no, it was like totally clean. And Yay. That's like, awesome. What? All right, uh, Michelle, it is your turn. The story is about Michael Bolcom. Okay. Michael. He's a 20-year-old, and we're going back to September 22nd, 1982. Oh, wow. So just okay. imagine everyone in 80s garb and Love it. probably rocking some long hair and Maybe driving some Trans Am or something. I don't know what. Listening to some 80s band. I don't know. Cute. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You're like, yeah, they're doing all that. Great. It's fine. Listen to Poison, some Def Leppard. Boom. Fuck yeah. There we go. I apologize for the swearing. We try to be better. This is also a story not only about Michael, but also his father, Benny. Oh, okay. So we have Benny Bolcom. And what happens is... He gets a call kind of one day and he's here's his this voice of his son, his twenty year old son on the phone saying these people mean business. If you don't give them seventy five thousand dollars, they will kill me. Oh my gosh. And that's when Benny realized that his son has been kidnapped. No. You're doing true crime girl. I know. This is, this is the like, first time for it's pretty close to the first time yeah. for true crime. This is the first time. I haven't done true crime, so girl, look at I you. I know. I was almost going to warn you, like, in case you were doing a true yeah. crime as well. And all I could no. think of is, like, she's probably going to come up with a kidnapping story and it'll be the exact same thing. I always am, like, vaguely paranoid we're going to come up with the same story at some point. I mean, unfortunately, there's so many survival stories. <laughs> I like, know. It's crazy. And but, a lot I mean, of kidnapping a... stories yeah. and all kinds of stuff. I found this one, actually, because I was looking up alien abductions. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I like find it. a lot of those. All well, right. I did find a lot of those, but not quite to the detail as I like okay. their stories. All right, all right. Okay, so let's go back to the previous evening. Yes. So Mike uh, had been watching TV at his home in Santa Fe, Texas. Around 9.30 in the evening, he had heard three knocks on the door. And so when he opened it, he found himself looking down the barrel of a three fifty seven Magnum. <gasps> and he was like, oh. The gun was wielded by a man his age. And then there was another guy that stood behind him that had jet black hair and a shotgun. Oh, my gosh. So the pair uh, forced Mike into the kitchen where they blindfolded him. They bound his hands and they gagged him with duct tape. And then they walked him out to his own pickup, which was parked in the driveway there. Uh And they pushed him up into the cab and backed out of the driveway. Yeah, they were taken off. About a half an hour, the pickup sort of reached this secluded wooded area out sort of in the middle of nowhere. Um, I guess it was in an abandoned oil field north of Houston. Oh. So there, Mike's abductors 
made him say a couple of different phrases onto a tape recording. And so one of them was, if you don't give them $75,000, they will kill me. These people mean business, which his dad had just heard. And then they made him uh, record a couple other things. So the second message that they made him record were a set of instructions. And so these were instructions on how to get that $75,000 that they had asked for. I see. So it said, drive to San Juacito... I probably said that wrong. That sounds good. San Juacito Monument, east of Houston. Take the Lynchburg Ferry across the ship channel. I hope I ship yeah. channel. That yeah. sounds good. I, I don't think, think it I swore. worse the second time. But... <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> Follow the road to the grocery store at Interstate 10 and wait at the parking lot phone booth for a call. Okay. So that was the second message that he had to record. Also, back when there's phone booths. <laughs> I know we're in the eighties. Right, that's true. My that's God, true, okay. I used to wait at phone booths really? for like phone calls and stuff. Like, really? God, yes. From who? From like guys, obviously. Oh. <laughs> like, call me at this phone booth. Oh God, I really? can't even. I can't I even just... get into it. Okay, fair it's enough. It's too I embarrassing. Mean... Then we'll zip over and buy a little candy and then <laughs> wait at the phone booth hoping someone calls. <laughs> Kill me. <laughs> They did call. Just FYI. <laughs> I wasn't good. a total fucking loser. Uh, I thought you had your own landline at home. Well, I also had that. Come on, girl. Dang. I was going to say, I was all over town, but that just sounds worse. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. No, but cool. Uh, I'll kill you. Okay. Can we do one more shot? Yeah. Would that be inappropriate? No. Okay. One more quickie. While you're pouring, I'll continue on with okay. my story if okay. that sounds okay. Yeah. So when they finished recording, they walked Mike over to this hole in the ground. Okay. And it contained this sort of flimsy plywood box that was pretty much just big enough for him. Oh. It was maybe a little bit deeper. It was probably like maybe 18 inches high or so. Okay. Um, But it was just about as long as he was and just about as wide as he was. They were (laughs) What they said to him is like... We're going to give you a half a loaf of bread and a plastic bottle full of water. Be cool. And every, if everything goes right, you'll get out in a couple days. Be cool. Be cool, man. Okay. So they forced him to lay down. They added a limb. They jammed in some breathing tubes. So apparently they like jammed in like four breathing tubes to go into the box and then shovel dirt over. So they buried him alive. They buried him It'd alive. It'd be like, if you stay calm, you'll live. Yeah. I see. Okay. If you don't, you know. shit's probably going to go bad for you. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's not going to be good. Um, and so, and then they sort of covered their handiwork of burying this plywood box with now a man in it. Um, oh, my God. They <laughs> sort of scattered the leaves and then put a bunch of old tires kind of on top of it what okay. so it made it look like it had been you know there just for a long time. yeah sort of a trashy area that had been there for a long time okay as you say then they drove off whoa and so now mike is huddled in this box underground oh my gosh. and all i could think of was the, the life changes he was gonna make going Aww. forward it's probably like i promise to be better i promise oh, to be that's better. so sad oh, ooh, this shot is to the top you're welcome well said well done caitlin i'm gonna drink half of mine and then drink the rest of it in a minute pussy 
Because oh, I love it. <laughs> now I had to finish it. I hope you're happy. Oh, God. It's so good. It's so good. Like, the aftertaste is even better. I mean. Someday, Caitlin, you and I are going to roll to Ireland and go <gasps> visit Five Farms. I would love that. How far, like... And then we could just show them all the episodes that we have talked, talked about, about fucking them? five farms the whole time. That'd be amazing. That would be amazing. Aww, they have no mini five farms in the liquor stores. It's so cute, but get the big one. Yeah, we can't even play with the They're mini cute, one. but not worth it. Okay, okay back to Mike yes. and being underground in a plywood box. Okay, my God. Actually, not by, back to Mike at all. We're back to Benny. Oh, Benny, yes. Benny, his dad. His dad. So, once he got that terrifying call that's yeah. like, you need to pay up $75,000, he rushed home to go talk to his wife and then call the police. Mm-hmm. And, but on the way, he was like, sort of thinking about things. And he's just like, $75,000, that seems like sort of a weird amount. Like, why not $100,000? Or why not $200,000? Or a million dollars? Like, why not all these things? Why $75,000? It's very specific. Yes. It is. And so he was thinking about it, and then it hit him that he had just sold a property for $80,000. Oh. And he was thinking of this ex-employee of his that he really sort of got the impression that he was just kind of a con man uh-huh. and just kind of maybe a shitty individual in general. And he realized that this man whose name is Ronald Floyd White knew about the sale of the property. Uh-huh. And oh, and he had just recently been fired. Probably oh, one okay. of the more important details. So this guy who sort of gave a sleazy impression had recently been fired, but also knew that there was a sale of a house for $80,000. So now Benny is like, makes mm-hmm. sense. I think it's this dude. Mm. So he lets the Santa Fe police chief know that. So he calls up the police. They show up within 10 minutes. They start questioning wow. Benny. Yeah, they're like on it, ready to rock and roll. Benny shared his suspicions about this white gentleman that he had recently let go. And then Lamb, <laughs> Chief Brian, sorry. You say this white gentleman that he Well, I, yeah, his last name is White. Oh. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> Not as in like. He's white. Okay. Yeah, I apologize. No, Maybe we'll put that a different way. <laughs> so. Benny shares his suspicions about White to the uh, chief of police there. I see, okay. His name is Chief Brian Lamb. And Lamb is like, you know what? We got this all in hand. You go back to work and we'll take care of it. Okay. And Benny was like, okay, I guess I'll go back to work. A little hesitant, but agreed. Okay. So he goes back to work. But on the way back, he was like, nope, I'm going to go to Mike's house and see what's going on. It's hard when your son, you know, is kidnapped. Uh, yeah, his... He's like, what are you supposed to do? Just go back to work? There's yeah. no way. No, there's no way. So he swings by Mike's house. And the first thing he noticed is, is the pickup is gone. Okay. And he's like, the kidnappers took the pickup. So if we can find that pickup, yeah. we can find Mike. Ooh. And he also knows where his ex-employee, Ronald White, works. And so he's like, I'm going to also go to his house. <gasps> Whoa. So 
he goes and he sort of swings by his trailer in Houston. And he said if Mike's pickup had been in the driveway, he probably would have killed everyone he had come across. Probably. Uh, But the pickup was not there. And so... Benny settled down to wait. So he was doing his own sort of reconnaissance for this case. But no one came. And so finally around 5 p.m., he drove to um, a nearby store and then put a call into his factory. And the folks at his factory was like, the FBI has been trying to get in touch with you. Oh, So he calls the FBI and the FBI was like, stay put. (gasps) Don't try to go. Oh, my gosh. Find your son on your own. He's like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so at the as he's like essentially sitting in White's driveway to see if his son like emerges at some point. So they set up uh, agents at Benny's home around the clock. And then they really just got everyone ready to go in case there was another call or anything like that. So they were all waiting for instructions. And it's like... Benny, you got to get home and don't try to solve this thing on your own. I see. So all the while, we're about 80 miles north Uh and Mike is still in his box underground. Oh my gosh. Ugh. I know. So he has managed to turn over onto his stomach now. And so he can see from his vantage point that there's a bit of a gap between the end of the box and sort of the sides. So he can see it's like, oh, this box isn't put together very well. Maybe I can break out of it. And so he sort of works that end board trying to make it looser and looser. And he was propped up on his elbows. And then he was like able to finally get that end board free. And unfortunately what happened is all the earth that was sitting on top of that board just came crushing down (gasps) right onto his head. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So he is now, he had just enough time to sort of jam another piece of wood in to Uh prop the first board up that he managed to get loose. So it's now like letting all the earth in. He manages to sort of prop it up and stop this deluge of dirt coming in. And so he pretty much just barely avoided being crushed. And now he's pinned in place and face down in this box. Oh, and my god! I know. Could you imagine? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Ugh. So now it's 4.30 the next morning. This happened on a Wednesday. So now we're Thursday. Holy cow. So the phone rings and Benny answers and it's Mike's voice. And it's that <gasps> same initial recording. Oh, okay, okay. So what he says is, if you don't give them $75,000, they will kill me. They mean business. And then tagged on to the end of that says a different man's voice. It was like, you've got two days to get the money. So now we have a deadline. And the conversation only lasted 25 seconds. And they just needed a few more seconds for the FBA to track them. Oh, no. And they cut off just in time. to. They knew. They knew. And so, but they still had no delivery instructions. They didn't know where to take the money. They didn't know what to do with the money. And though Mike had already previously recorded what to do with the money, they hadn't sent that over to dad or mom. But that afternoon, Benny had picked up the ransom money with the sheriff's department or the police department. And so they made a package of $5,000 in $10 bills. And so they 
took like a wad of fake bills and made like wrapped it around a tracker so it looked like there was a lot more money in the bag smart Um, but in fact there was a tracker in there so it was like a lot of money on top and then a tracker story buried down below i know the fbi knows what they're doing so finally, on Friday evening, another call comes. Okay. And I mean, because now we're like a whole nother day. Two days buried alive? Oh my gosh. I know, with no. a loaf of bread and like one thing of water. Yeah. Come on. Oh, poor guy. So a man's voice comes on and tells Benny to go back to the factory, his factory, and await instructions there. So they decided that there would be two agents, two FBI agents, that would act as Benny's bodyguards. And so they were all fitted with bulletproof vests and radio transmitters and all the the whole nine. And then also a device that would allow Benny to uh, still communicate even if he was a little bit further away. Interesting. So it had really good voice range, I guess. So Mm. you could be a little ways away and it would still pick up your voice and be able to transmit it back to the FBI. They could hear everything that was going on, keep you safe, the whole thing. Okay. So after he arrived to the factory, the agents quickly secured the building and told Benny to go on in. There's no one there. And so at 1030 in the evening, the phone rang and Benny picks up and he heard Mike's voice on tape. (gasps) And it was the drive the to San Juancito Monument east of Houston, that second Mm -hmm. recording that we had talked about. And at the end of the instructions... Benny cried, hey, I want to talk to my son. I've got your damn money. Where's Mike? And unfortunately, he was talking to a deadline. Oh so they had already gosh. hung up. And so they this, played the recording and they just hung up. Yeah. They I were see. like, we're not. They played it, hung up, and he couldn't Aww. do any communicating of his own. So thus began the longest night of Benny's life. <laughs> so he had agents crouched on the floor of the car's back seat. Covered by a sleeping bag. And so he drove to the monument that they told him to drive to. He took the ferry across the channel. And he headed to the market to where he was supposed to receive the kidnapper's call. Mm -hmm. There was four phone booths in the parking lot. And one of the lines began ringing. Benny picked up the phone. And it said, get on I-10 and drive west to the Exxon station. Wait by the phone booths for further instructions. So that's exactly what Benny did. He got onto I-10, he headed to the Exxon station, and there he waited. After two hours, one of the phones finally rang. It was a woman's voice this time, and it said, drive back to the Minute Market, park under the lights, and open all of your doors. All the doors, front and back, and the boot. I'm assuming the trunk. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And the trunk. (laughs) And then wait for further instructions. So now Benny would have to go alone because if he had opened all the doors, you would easily see the two agents that were huddled in the back. So he had to go by himself. And then shortly after 2 a.m., when he was on the way to the market, uh, he let the agents out of the car. He switched off the engine and then he opened all the doors and waited. And then finally at 5 a.m., he saw movements in the shadows at the sort of edge of the parking area. And then it was an FBI agent that came over and said, we got the call. No one's coming tonight. (laughs) So he's just like, ugh. So everything got called off for that night. So now on Saturday night, the pair who had kidnapped Mike 
decided to go back to where Mike was and go check on him. And they had a flashlight and they could see like one of the breathing tubes. So they're like, he's fine. Um, but then they heard Mike's voice and it was very weak. And he said, oh. I'm out of water. <gasps> I need water. And they're like, nah. And just walked away. <gasps> no. <laughs> they just left him. Now Benny is also feeling like a lot of hope is lost. Yeah. You know, we're talking about like four days oh now of Mike being gone. Yeah. Every time they think they're making progress with the person on the phone, nothing happens. So then out of the blue comes an unexpected break. Oh. So at 12.30 a.m. on Sunday, so now okay. it's like late Saturday night, early right. Sunday morning, the sheriff's office gets a call from a local resident reporting a suspicious car parked in a sort of a strange area in front of this convenience store. Okay. And it was like 30 miles north of Houston. Wow. And so these two other deputies respond, Jim Hall and John Orr. And they drove up and they see this uh, man with black hair refilling these plastic bottles from a tap. <gasps> and... They go up and question him, and he's like, I'm just filling up bottles for my campsite. Uh You know, it's just perfectly normal. Don't even worry. Just keep walking along. I'm sure that was verbatim. Yeah, right? Keep moving. It's fine. And so they're like, okay. But then John sort of starts shining his flashlight around, and he sees this beat-up car, and then all of a sudden he's like, Look out, Jim. There's a pistol on the seat. So because he was shining this flashlight around, uh-huh. they could see the gun sitting on the seat oh, in the truck. Oh, okay. And they were like, you got to watch out. And so this immediately sort of put the deputies on edge. And now they're going to search the car. Yeah. Because they have probable cause. Oh. And so they found a shotgun in the back seat. And in the trunk, they found a semi-automatic Dang. Uh, a baggy, a bag of ammunition, a tape recorder, wire, rope, and a briefcase containing a password for Ronald Floyd White. What the? F- <laughs> Sketchy. <laughs> At this point, the name Ronald Floyd White didn't mean a lot to them. Yeah. Because they had no idea that this kidnapping case was going on at the same time. Oh. Um, but they ended up calling in and saying that they had picked up a gentleman who um, was getting water for his camp. And then while they were searching his truck, they had spotted a piece of paper that had slipped down between the seats. And it had all of the uh, instructions for the drop-off. <gasps> so everything that they had oh, made Mike say yeah. was all written down. <gasps> oh, my gosh. And so they found that piece of paper. Yeah. And so they called the dispatcher and was like, hey, run a check on this white guy. <laughs> Ronald Floyd right. guy. <laughs> that sounds terrible. So funny. Well, his last name is White. Yeah, yes, that's yes, what you yes. get. And the reply came back almost immediately that he was wanted <gasps> in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in connection with this kidnapping. So they took him in um, and they had overheard that colleagues had spotted a campfire in the woods very close to where Ronald was refilling the water and so they raced to the scene and they found another man, a bearded, long haired man named Mark Olier. I hopefully I said that right. Yeah. Well, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And a young woman named Debbie Williams. 
And so when they questioned the two, Debbie and Mark, they admitted that White had been at the camp that evening and that they didn't know the name of the kidnapped victim. All that they had was Mike that was in a ransom note. Hmm. And they were like, listen, we know you have Mike. Yeah. And it looks like that Ronald is going to try to give you guys all of the blame. So unless you start talking to us, you know, you guys are going to get the brunt of all of this mm. and have to go to jail. And they're like, ah, no, it was all this other dude. Yeah. It's all his fault. Here's where Mike is. Oh my God. And so they let him know where in fact that plywood box wow, was. Wow. Okay. And so they went out and it was in the middle of this abandoned oil field and it was like pre-dawn at this point and they started shouting out, Mike, Mike, you know, yeah. and they heard this, super muffled and faint noise that it was barely audible but they could just barely hear Mike sort of calling out for help and so they were able to start they were digging frantically digging with their bare hands and kind of digging with anything that they could find and they found the hole and when they reached down poor Mike just was barely able to grasp their hand to get pulled out yeah, he was kind of on his last. It's been leg. days. Yeah, yeah, it's been five days. He's been under there. <gasps> that's so long. That's that's people's greatest fears to be buried alive. Yeah, I remember. Um, I don't know if you've ever read Misery by Stephen King. Oh, I saw the movie. There's this whole section. I don't remember if it's in the movie or not because it's this whole weird thing with mm. bees and this woman. She got buried alive. Oh, and I there part. was a lot of like clawing at the yeah. wood above her. Oh, that is always stuck with me. Right? Oh, God. I, I don't remember who it was, but yeah, it was, they found, like, scratch marks, and, like, someone's nail was, like, in the, uh, yeah. trying to scratch out, because they were very, uh, I know, that's gotta be. Well, that's why, um, I think they started burying people with, with bells. bells. Yeah. Just in case they wake more... up later. <laughs> Like, Could I'm you alive. imagine? You're like, you just had a great night's sleep. <laughs> you just wake up and crash. I feel amazing. That was this morning. I swear, I almost quit my job just so I could sleep because I was <laughs> sleeping so well. I did not want to wake up. Like, I'm sleeping so heavy right now. No, that mm. happened to me the other night. It was like Tuesday night, yeah. and Merlin was gonna spend the night. Aww. And but then Merlin peed in the house, so he <gasps> got. Him and the other dogs got put into the other room because of bad behavior a little bit. And then I was like, well, I'll just get him out around like midnight or one in the morning because I'm always waking up and we'll get up periodically through the night. And I woke up to Joel's alarm at 645. So I slept solidly through the night, which makes me think I should not have the dogs sleep with us. But that's never going to happen. Right? No. Right? I'll forego the sleep. I even hear Nick's alarm, dude. He had to wake me up and be like, are you going to get up? I'm like, I'd rather die. Yep. I quit my job. I'm sleeping in. All right. Back to poor Mike. I know. Buried alive. My gosh. I'm sorry. (laughs) Jeez. I love everything about you. Yes, he's buried alive. I know. My gosh. Not with a blanket. Not comfortable. Okay. So they were calling out, Mike, Mike, in yeah. this abandoned Houston oil field. Well, no, he gripped him. Oh, you're right. He yeah. gripped him. Okay. So he was able to be pulled out. Good. So at 730 on Sunday morning, Benny gets a call 
that says, we have Mike. Oh. And so he drove Benny and his wife down to the local courthouse where they were briefed on their son's ordeal, kind of get told everything that happened to him. So while he was in the box, he had lost 22 pounds. Whoa. In five days? Yeah. Well, I guess you don't eat. I you mean, don't eat. He had that one loaf of bread and it. one bottle of water. Ugh. So apart, but apart from the insect bites and the dehydration, he seemed to be in good shape. Wow. Minutes later, he was freshly showered and wearing police coveralls. Um, it was a joyous family reunion. <laughs> and so he described his panic that, that he felt like when the lid had started to sag and that he also realized that if it had started to rain, he would probably drown Whoa, under wa- under I the ground. I didn't think of that. No, I hadn't either. And that ants had been biting his hands <gasps> and eyelids. Ew! Um, and he had all these hallucinations, I guess, about getting chewed down to a skeleton. Oh, my God. Um, and so when he when he finally heard someone calling his name, there had been earth and a hand in like the hole above his head and he was like totally didn't even fully understand like what was going on oh, to him in well, the makes beginning. Sense. Yeah. yeah. I have anxiety just thinking I have to make a phone call. You know, so I could imagine <laughs> I know, let alone like, fucking being buried alive. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. So after he was rescued, Mike was placed into a squad car and they asked him what he wanted. And he said he wanted a soft drink and also to share his joy. (laughs) He was picked up uh, by the car's radio transmitter saying, this is Mike Bocum speaking and I want to thank everybody. You got me out of that hole and I'm free and I'm alive. Ugh. On September 30th, 1982, Ronald Floyd White was captured after a high-speed car chase near Rio Hondo, Texas. Oh, okay. He had all of his folks in the car. That chick, Debbie Williams, and Mark Olier and some other guy were all with him, and they were uh, convicted of aggravated kidnapping. Good. Uh, he was also charged with the objections of two other men. Really? A 27-year-old firefighter named Kobe Garland Hamilton uh-huh. and a 40-year-old oil field worker, Robert Cameron. Really? He had trapped the men in the in the trunks of separate cars, but both had managed to escape. So what? he was just on a freaking kidnapping rampage, Whoa. apparently. He got convicted of aggravated kidnapping. Good. We don't know how for how long. That's so weird that we couldn't find that. I know. I'm going to assume it's it was for a while. Oh, I would hope so. I like Bury to think someone alive? Like, For five cow. days. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> it feels like a long time. Yeah. So. I guess that is before the internet and. Yeah, so maybe it's just not on there. I'm sure it's, I mean, it's got to be public knowledge. Somewhere. Or oh, public, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, never mind. In a database, at least. Somewhere. Uh, ooh, uh, that's so scary. Like like I said, that's someone's biggest fear. Yeah. Buried well, alive? it might be one of mine. Yeah. Like, underwater sea creatures is probably number one. <laughs> and I'm going to say... No, that's fair enough. Okay, that is fair enough. Well, <laughs> we don't know what's below deep in the nope, ocean, No, we've man. talked about it before. We have, yeah. Oh, Gosh. That's so scary. Nick does not like the open ocean. If he can't see land, he's a little oh, stress. Joel is the same way. Oh, really? Forget it. Yeah. He's not on board at all. Like the, um, yeah. what is the name of that movie where they just get 
the two like scuba divers get left behind. Oh. It's like open ocean. Yes, or something uh, open like, water. Open water. Yeah, uh-huh. that is Joel's worst nightmare. Yeah, that's come to life. Nice. And we're going to Hawaii, hopefully for for our honeymoon. Oh my god, you guys will have such a good time. What you don't know is I'll be like, Caitlin, I'm here already. <laughs> you didn't know about it. Oh my god, that'd be so funny though. If you had like pina coladas waiting for us on the beach, I got like... a puzzle. That's <gasps> what that... Oh my gosh, I have one right there. You let me borrow it. Oh my god, the edges already started. We fucking put together a puzzle in Hawaii on Did our you? Hawaiian vacation. Well, it's just so handy. We put it. We yeah. had a big um, island right yeah. in the kitchen. Last time we talked about puzzles, we were talking about puzzles again. Yeah. I apologize to anyone who's not into puzzles. We would have the best time. We would have the best time. And I'd be like, guess what else we brought? Puzzle? What? No, what? not puzzle. Why can't I think of it? Ah! Ah! Why can't? Now I have a what? brain block. Oh, my God. What are you going to bring? Brain block. What's the game we always play? Why can't I think pandemic. of it? Pandemic. Pandemic. Oh, my gosh. I knew it started with a P, but I couldn't quite come we up with it. We do always play Pandemic. It's so funny. I brought Pandemic base game. Yeah. And an, like, extension. And oh, my God. Expansion. Oh, fucking no words. We haven't done just a us. We should go just a us thing. We should. And meet some uh, fans, maybe. Well, like, we could have, like, a whole fan thing. Maybe at <gasps> Disney World. Ooh. Like, come meet us at Disney World and meet us at 8.45. We'll meet our one fan. <laughs> Just the one that comes out. Hey, I'd be happy with one. Oh, my actually. God. Are you kidding me? We would hug them. We would treat them to all the cocktails yeah. in Disney World. Like, hey, come hang out with us. Oh, my God. That'd be so much fun. You know what I've been thinking about? What? Or your bridal party? What? I want to do cantaloupes. <gasps> We're fucking doing yes. cantaloupes at some part in your motherfucking wedding party. And Dude. if it is your bridal shower, I don't even care. Something. But we're having cantaloupes yes. at some point. If you do the work, girl, that's a lot of work. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to juice a goddamn cantaloupe. I don't. But <laughs> if you do, I will happily drink all of them. Oh, those are still like one of my very favorite drinks yeah, we've ever mine made. Yeah, mine too. I went back several times. Yeah. We're supposed to be drinking around the world, but I kept going back to China. <laughs> Where to the damn cantaloupes are. Yeah. We're so off track. So, uh, sorry. Ah! <laughs> no. Mike, you nailed it. Good job you for did. staying alive underground. I don't think I could keep my cool. Yeah. Well, you saw at CSI when he was buried alive. That's when I was a kid. Oh. That's the first the Forget first thing it. I saw about ever being buried alive. And I didn't know that was a thing until I saw that. And, and I was like, like <gasps> nope. It was a hard pass. That's not for me. Not for me at Mine all. Mine was... Uh, well, reading Misery. Oh, okay. Which I probably did when I was like 12. So, not an appropriate time to be scared of being buried alive. Here, yeah. And then also Kill Bill. So, oh, from now on, I just oh, want to keep Kill a, Bill. You know what, like Nick, a pocket knife yeah. in my boot somehow. It's within the last few years Nick introduced me to Kill Bill. I never saw it. What? Yeah, I never saw it a few years ago until Nick, like, I saw the first volume. Like, let's watch the second one. And oh, I, was, I know. Oh, it was so Squish good. like grape. You know what I'm talking about. I do, yes. It was so, yeah. <laughs> it was so good. I liked it I a lot. I love Kill Bill. The, okay, I know we are wildly yeah, getting sorry, off track. But, what? but just one last thing about yes. Kill Bill. In the second Kill Bill, Bill yeah. gives a whole sort of speech about Superman. I don't know if okay. you recall that. And uh-huh. how the difference between Superman and all the other superheroes is that the other superheroes are just the regular people and then their superhero is like who they become. 
but Superman Mm -hmm. is already the superhero and he has to sort of put on the disguise of Clark Kent. Yes. Okay. And then he becomes, he sort of, it's the disguise and he's really the superhero underneath, you know, and I don't know it. I'm not explaining it well because I'm still a little drunk. No, I understand what you're saying. I know what part you're talking about. But I just feel like that's so much a part. Okay. Now we're getting deep. Okay. Ooh. About like who we are as spiritual beings, Mm. I guess, is we are the Superman underneath the Clark Kent. That's cute. And we need to let go of the disguise. So that has stuck with me for ever since I saw that first Kill Bill. I was like, fuck, Superman's awesome. Right? (laughs) Okay. I'm still a Batman fan, but yeah, no, Superman for sure. So you're just willing to do it with money. I see. I want to be born that way. You give me a million bucks, girl, I'll show you what gadgets I have. I will show you what I can make. What I can do. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Uh, okay, we should probably right. wrap up. Okay, well, uh, thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Lisa's friend, for creating this reality bites. Super delicious. Recommend. It was yeah, highly recommend. Highly recommend. We well, had the butter beers last time, which were not a high recommend. Nope. We have reality bites this time. Recommend. High high recommend. And Five Farms always. Fuck you, Five Farms. You're delicious. Exactly. I love you so much. So please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Can I have like half a shot or yeah, of Five Farms before okay, I go? Well, let's end it first, girl. Okay. All right. Goodbye. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And any drink suggestions, like I said, we will try them. Uh, please email us or just message us on Instagram or Facebook. Yeah. Sorry. Unless it's gross. Yeah, unless it's gross. But we thought, I thought the spiced rum one was going to be gross. I was not excited. Oh, yeah. But and it was, then it was awesome. It was amazing. But, all right. All right. Thank you. See you next time. Bye. Bye.